0: Hey, Mr. Youngi, isn't that him? Hey. hey. Can you break a log like that?
1: Don't know. Never been attacked by two.
0: Film fans, welcome back to a brand new episode of Not a Bomb Podcast. It's the first episode of 2022. I am your host, Troy. I, I know I sound incredibly different, but for Christmas, I ended up getting a sinus infection. That was my Christmas present. Happy New Year. Yes. Um, Brad, how how was your Christmas break, man? We we've been off uh for a couple of weeks oh now, right? I I
1: yes. Personally, I did not work much in the month of December. So uh yeah. It was great, man. I got to catch up on a lot of movies that I didn't see throughout the year, uh, which kind of always happens for me because I, what I do professionally slows down in December because different fiscal year, whatever. Anyway, um, so I caught up on a lot of things. I saw a lot of movies over the past three weeks.
0: Did you get to I go finished. to the, was it, was it a lot of streaming stuff or did you get to, a go? lot
1: of streaming stuff, a lot okay. of catching up on that. I did go to the theater to see, a few things. uh, Well, actually, just one thing. Um, And then, uh, yeah, I finished my theater. So I basically used it every day for three weeks. So it was marvelous.
0: That's awesome. I I can honestly say December, for me, really slowed down on movie watching. I I mean, let's face it, we were lucky to get uh, the stuff out for the show that month. But um, yeah, I I got that last week off, and uh, it, it was much needed. But, you know, apparently... I was not a good boy for Christmas, and I didn't get COVID, but I got an, a real nice sinus Santa infection. Santa brought you
1: some nice sinus infection. Yeah, and it's
0: uh, yeah, it's this is still Troy. I just I sound weird. I sound a lot better today. I mean, we're we're releasing a little bit later in the week, simply because if we did this on our normal night, it would have it been, been like
1: Isaac Hayes is doing the uh, podcast. <laughs>
0: and A lot of sniffles, <laughs> but I'm, I'm on the I'm on the mend. Uh, well, let, let's talk about. There's a couple of films that I know you and I saw because they were top of list for the month of December. I, I want to I wanna get your opinion real quick. I think it's been long enough that we can talk about Spider-Man No Way Home.
1: Yeah, I, I went to the theater. Um, I took my son to see that in the theater. Um, happy to report he sat through a two and a half hour movie, which I feel good about. Um, I did have to kind of twist his arm a little bit for the last 45 minutes to hang in there. Um, and he did, I, I loved Spider-Man into the spider or, uh, into the spider verse. I do love that movie, but no way home. I liked it a lot. Um, I, I kind of saw, I guess we all kind of anticipated the Spider-Men's coming into it mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, but it was fun. You know, I I've, I've seen a lot of stuff about the logic of some things and yada, yada, yada. The movie was fun. Um, Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin was amazing. Uh, can I can I say some other thing? Can I can I say the thing I want to say?
0: I mean, it's been it's been out a month, right? So, okay. we, so we can talk about whatever. Andrew, Garf- we want.
1: Andrew Garfield stole that movie for yes, me. Yes, I, I saw I, when once I saw Andrew Garfield and saw his performance, I tried to really go back and reevaluate uh, the Amazing Spider-Man. I think it's a decent movie. Uh, it's mostly predicated on his performance that spider or the amazing spider-man two is pretty bad, but I think he's my favorite spider-man ever.
0: Really? Um, Wow. And
1: I think no way home cemented that as my opinion, he was so good and stole that movie that I think that's why I like it so much is Tom Holland's fine. um, But I think Andrew Garfield is a hundred times better. I just think he is. Spider-Man.
0: I agree. I got to, I got to say, I mean, I don't know how your theater was half of the theater. There, there's a bit of a somberness to it because of events that happened in the film. And I, I kept it together up until the point Andrew Garfield had to replay the famous scene from, you know, amazing Spider-Man two. That's, that's where, you know, the waterworks started for me because he sells that moment and it, it's emotionally super powerful. Uh, and I gotta tell you, the other thing that I was super excited about was, um, the introduction officially of daredevil into the MCU.
1: Yeah, I, that, it was pretty cool. It was a little weird uh how they did it, but I'm glad they, they did it. Um, it was cool. It was yeah. cool. And to see, uh, who's this uh, Charlie, Charlie is Cox. it Charlie, Charlie Cox. Yep. Yeah. Uh, to see him and see him basically get to be daredevil in, in this universe as well as is, is pretty cool. So I know, I thought immediately I thought about you when I saw him. I was like, oh, Troy is going to lose his mind.
0: Oh, we did. We we were the ones in the theater. Cameron and I were high-fiving and, and very loud. And, and do, you,
1: do you mind people clapping in the theater?
0: Uh, I don't.
1: I, I, I don't either. Yeah. Like, that's one of the reasons I go to a theater with people uh, for moments like that. Uh, when Tommy McGuire comes on to the screen there was like a huge applause and then there was another applause when Andrew Garfield came on and that just like, it's okay to get excited. We haven't had a whole lot to get excited about in oh, two yeah. years. Uh, so if Andrew Garfield showing up as Spider-Man in a movie makes you feel good and it makes you want to clap, go right ahead. Like that's why I go to the theater to have that communal sort of reaction. Um, you know, same thing for comedy and horror, like those moments you share um, as like a group of people experiencing this moment at, at a time, I think it's pretty powerful. And, and if clapping makes you feel happy, then go right ahead. I, it doesn't bother me. But I know some people have been like, stop clapping in the middle of uh, you know movies. And I, I, I'm not on that boat.
0: I, I'm not either. I, I'm with you 100%. I mean, I, there are films that I will choose to watch by myself in the privacy of my home. But especially for something like a Marvel film, some of the best moments. I mean, Avengers Endgame, when you get those just iconic Steve Rogers yeah, facing down everybody America and everybody losing their Mulder mind. Yeah, like, it's just yeah, those are those are great moments, man. Yeah. Uh, the other before we talk about another film, since we're you know sticking with the Marvel stuff, did you finish the Hawkeye series on Disney Plus?
1: I have not yet. Okay. I have not. You have uh, to get on that. Of, yeah, I know. I know. I uh, I went more movie routes. Um and I finished I finished succession um over Hawkeye because my brother and I are big succession people and I kind of waited for my break to to catch up on the last season. So I will I will do that. Um
0: Yeah, don't sleep on that. I, I gotta say I won't, out of, I won't. I've heard it's really good. Yeah, out of um, all of those live action series, it's my favorite. But I'm and I I, I rewatch Black
1: Widow too, so I'm like really trying to get through Hawkeye. So
0: So I let me ask you this is is Spider Man so in the year 2021, because I mean, a lot of what we're talking about probably in January is is kind of looking back at the movies uh, and pop culture for last year with with Spider-Man coming out. I know you haven't seen Hawkeye. Uh, what's your favorite Marvel property or series that came out in 2021? And, you know, throw the Disney shows in there, too.
1: I really liked Wanderverse, man. It was so different. Um, uh, It's hard to say. I really liked Black Widow a lot, more than most people. I really like Shang-Chi a lot too. Um, man, it's really hard for me to decide. Probably Spider-Man. Okay. If I'm gonna if you're gonna twist my arm. And I don't know if that's like recency bias or whatever, but I'd probably say Spider-Man. That's the most fun I've had in a theater in a long time.
0: I, I had a ton of fun with it. I I I look at it this way. I I think it'll be the second viewing that will really cement my opinion on it because the only question I have is once you get a away from the twist and the surprises of that film, is it still a good film? I think it is. Yeah. But I need to see it again. Uh, but if I'm picking over my experiences and my favorite of the year, I'm going Shang-Chi. That was okay. the one I was most, well, yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. most excited for that one. For me, it lived up to the hype and I watched it a second time in the theater and, and just absolutely loved it. Uh, and I, some- I think it's the, the, the most visually appealing out of all of the Marvel films. That it looks stuff fantastic. on the
1: bus. That stuff on the bus is some of the coolest stuff Marvel has done.
0: Yeah. I, I think there are so many sequences. I know it falls prey to the typical big battle scene at the end, but the thing I like about that is the visuals, um, and some of the Chinese lore that they use, it, it looks fantastic on screen. I mean, it, and there's
1: a lot of references that if you're into that stuff, you pick up on, you know?
0: Oh yeah. hundred percent. It, it's, yep. uh, that's okay. So let's talk about another film you and I talked to, uh, about in length after we both saw it, and that's another sequel, the the Matrix sequel. What Resurrections?
1: Resurrections. Yes. Oh boy, I hated uh, the Matrix. Uh, I I get where they are going. Like I get what they're trying to do. I get the self referential stuff. I get the meta stuff. I get. Uh, kind of subverting expectations. Um, obviously, I'm going into a Matrix movie with expectations that it's going to look and feel like the original trilogy. And it and it definitely was not. Um, and I have the ability to switch expectations in all that stuff mid-movie. Look, we've seen movies. I've been watching movies for 35 years. I know how to change my ex- expectations when it's not what I want. Um, I just did not, could not get into the groove with this movie as much as I think there are really good ideas in the movie and really good sort of themes going on. I just could not get on board with it. Um, and I, I'm wondering if it's going to take me a time or two to, to see it again, if, I, if it grows on me. Um, but I will say my initial reaction was I absolutely hated it. Um, I had people come over to my house to watch it. And if if, honestly, if I didn't have people over here with me, I might've walked out about an hour and a half into it and just turned it off. Um, wow. I, I know Keanu Reeves is 57 and I know kind of his whole deal in the movie is he doesn't want to fight. So not seeing him fight in the matrix is uh, sort of his deal and he's pushing away everything which you know again it's all metaphorical i get it um so his push move that he does a million times in the movie definitely represents some stuff but it's just it's disappointing to to have a matrix movie and neo is uh kind of weak um and i get it look. Neil was never the one cause there was always two. It was always him and Trinity. That's what kind of made it work. Um, right. and I get all that stuff. I get the trans stuff. Like I get all the transformation stuff. Look, I love, I will defend the original trilogy to the day I die. Like, I think the second film is much better than it gets credit for. The third one's a little messy, but I, I, and I think the first one is perfect. I think it's a perfect like sci-fi action film. I think it's a perfect film. Um, this is not <laughs> so, uh,
0: uh yeah, yeah, I think, it, I think it's a mess. I, I don't know if I hated it. It's, it's one of those films when people talk about it and and I know our good friend, Jose has watched it like a couple of times. He, he really champions this thing. Anybody who will go through it and talk about the ideas and the concepts, I agree a hundred percent. There's some really interesting things there. For me, it kind of comes down to a couple of things. From a narrative perspective, it's just messy. Like I don't think it's a good narrative, the way the story unfolds. Mm-hmm. It it just doesn't work for me. Um, and then the second thing is I don't think it looks good either. I don't think the choreography is executed very well. I know that um, you know, you can definitely tell Yun Wuping is is not doing the direction and the choreography on that. Yep. It it feels <laughs> to be fair, I
1: know development was a little bit weird on this. They like started it then had to stop because of COVID and right. Like the, that coffee shop stuff definitely has a different look because it was shot before. And then I'm sure they changed the story. Um, and I know Lana, you know, a lot of has gone into like whether or not she wanted to even do this
0: film. And obviously they talk about that in the actual movie. Yeah. Um, and, and some of those things I, I do enjoy. It's just, I think it comes down to execution. So, from a story perspective, I've, I find the story interesting. I like the premise. I just mm-hmm. don't like how it was executed, and uh, I, I just couldn't get behind it. I, I mean, quite honestly, the repetition of some of the stuff that occurs, the the pushing away and all the it it just gets boring. Mm-hmm. Which, <laughs> say what you will about the third Matrix movie, I don't think it's boring. It's I, not boring. I think it's like <laughs> messy. And- yeah, it's not boring.
1: Yeah, it's not boring. Yeah, there's too much stuff going on for it to be boring. Like, I, I think the first 15 minutes of the new Matrix movie is really interesting, and yeah. I like that premise. Um, then it's completely downhill for me there. So,
0: yeah, yeah. I like the setup, but it, it just doesn't really go anywhere for me.
1: Same, same. I'm right there with you.
0: Yeah. Was there anything? I mean, honestly, I, those were the the two movies I saw theatrically. Um, I, I finished Hawkeye, loved it. Uh, you know, we started, um, Watched a. I did watch a lot of movies. I was just trying to catch up on, but man, there's a whole list of films that I still need to get back to the theater and see. Uh, that you know, I think will make a like top ten list of 2021, like Licorice Pizza or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I watched Don't Look Up. I am one of the people who love Don't Look Up. Um, it is not subtle. It is really heavy handed, and but I, I dug it a lot. It's very Adam McKay, mm-hmm. and if you're not into Adam McKay, like I we talked to Sammy and he's like, I'm not an Adam McKay fan. I was like, then do not watch this movie because this is the most Adam McKay ass Adam McKay movie. You can see. Um, I also saw that uh, red rocket with Simon Rex. Oh yeah. How I was loved that movie. Okay. Loved it. Um, power of the dog. I saw or power of dog. Um, really loved that movie a lot too. I think you should see that movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also saw uh, Card Counter with uh,
0: oh um, uh, Oscar. Oscar Isaacs. Yeah. Uh, great movie. Dang, you been um, busy.
1: I did. I saw a lot of things. Um, and I'm looking at my top 10 list because that's really kind of where I, I kind of the last month I really put together that and saw these films. Um, yeah. in Zola. I saw Zola in December as well.
0: I, so. I did see that one as well. Uh, I, did you like it? I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Yep. It's yep. not a, it's not a top 10 for me, but I got to tell you, I really think it's an interesting narrative style and how it unfolds. Uh, but yeah, it's, there's some, there's some great performances in that film, which are, is really striking.
1: Yeah. And, and I started, the, it was a, it's an undertaking cause it's eight hours, but I started the Beatles documentary as well on on Disney plus the get back. Um, I need your I know schedule, you're not man. As,
0: huh? <laughs> I need your schedule.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but anyway, so those, those are kind of my highlights. Um,
0: well, I, so I, oh, and then
1: I, oh, one, one last thing. Yeah. My, 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 my in-laws were in and they're all Hitchcock fans. For some reason, they had never seen strangers on a train. Get so out of here. Strangers on. I know. I know. They'd seen like rope and stuff, but not strangers on a, on a train. Holy so cow. I was like, okay, we're watching that. And we watched it and. Uh, we all, of course, we all loved it because it's, again, like a perfect movie. It's great. Um, yeah,
0: I agree. That that's very, probably very, my favorite.
1: A very Hitchcockian shots in that. Um There's one where he's walking into the like the fair, and you're like, oh, that's such a Hitchcock oh. shot right there. No, my uh, but it's,
0: my favorite shot of that film is the tennis match where everybody's looking left to right except yep. he's staring right at. I mean, at the guy. Yeah, yeah. that was amazing. I love that, that shot.
1: performance. Is amazing. Is amazing. Yeah. I'm excited. Because immediately. You see that guy and you're like, there's something wrong. He's with creepy.
0: Him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. this week. The Senator in Baltimore, as long as nothing gets shut down, uh, is going to be showing the third man. So I want to take the kids Ooh. to see that. Get God. him, get him some Orson Welles time on the big screen. So I'm yeah. super excited. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we'll be doing this month is kind of revisiting a lot of films that came out in 2021 And you got to pick two films that uh, bombed in the U.S. box office that we're going to talk about this month. And I got to pick two films. Before we talk about tonight's film, which was my pick, I wanted to ask our good friend Caesar. So he runs filmsmash.com. So you and I are big Asian film fans. I I mean, Mm -hmm. something that comes out of Japan, Korea, China. I mean, it's on my radar and I'm always curious to see it and I don't know about you. I got gift card money and stuff like that. Mine immediately went to buying imports from Hong Kong. So I've, I've got stuff coming, but I asked Caesar, I said, okay, so what are the films in 2021 that should be on our radar or our listeners radar? And like, what, what were the best films that he saw uh, and that he reviewed for film smash.com? So he gave me a list and I just want to run this through you and see if you'd seen any of these. Okay. So the first one is a part one and two, but it's, um, and what's terrible about this, I'm, I'm probably going to mispronounce these. And it's even going to sound worse because I got this nasal thing going on. <laughs> but um, the first one is called Rurouni Kenshin, the final chapter, part one and two. So I guess Rurouni Kenshin is a manga. There's a TV show. Mm-hmm. There's been tons of movies about this. I, th- I think I own the three-part movie series that they did. I haven't watched it yet. But basically, the premise is a wandering swordsman who protects the people of Japan with a vow never to take a life. So he's, he's kind of like a Japanese Batman. And uh, this series, specifically part one and two, which I guess is this final chapter, it's on Netflix. Have you watched anything from this? I know yes. you're the big manga person.
1: Yes, I absolutely. I, I agree with this one
0: 100%. So did you see these two films that are on Netflix? I did, I did. yes. They're yeah. really good?
1: They're really good. Very good. I, I, I'm 100% down with that and you would, you would dig it. So do you dig it. The it,
0: sword play is amazing. If I have not seen anything of this franchise before, can I jump in or do uh, I, do I need to do some homework?
1: I think you might need to do some home. I think you'll appreciate it more to be honest with you. Okay. Um,
0: but the choreography yeah. spot on, it's good.
1: It's good. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Okay. I, it's hard for me because you're the guy, right? Like this episode makes me so nervous because it's like I'm going up against Michael Jordan and I have to try to guard <laughs> Michael Jordan for 42 minutes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think you'll really dig it.
0: Okay. Well, Caesar loves it. He, he says it's one of the best of last year. Okay. Yep.
1: Well, I'm glad Caesar and I are on the same page then.
0: Yeah. The other one you talked about, I, I'd never heard of this before, but it's called the fable Two. So it is a sequel to a film called the fable. Both of the movies are on Netflix it's a Japanese action comedy. Now, the first film came out in 2019. The second one came out in 2021. You can go watch them now. I sent you the trailer for Fable Two. It looks insane, but I think the premise is it's an assassin or hitman who kind of goes into a domestic lifestyle, vows he's not going to kill anybody, but gets- yeah, because I
1: think the first one is called like the Fable, the Man Who Doesn't Kill, or something like that, right? Yeah, I think it's, I think that's the subtitle.
0: Yeah. And For the killer, the killer who doesn't kill, the killer doesn't kill. And, and the whole premise is he's, you know, he's, he's kind of walked away from being an assassin, but yet he gets drawn back in to protect, you know, somebody. But I watched this trailer I, out of the list that Caesar gave this, these two films probably are going to be the first I go watch because those trailers look fantastic. Have, have yeah, you, you s- even heard you about sent these?
1: them to me? You've sent them to me and I was immediately like, Oh, I'm moving those up on my list.
0: Yeah, they look insane. So that's another one to watch out for. Now the next ones, um, it's a the movie is called It's a Summer Film. I was trying to track this down. I, I'm i sure there's got to be a copy or something out there. I, I didn't readily f- see it on Netflix or Amazon Prime. But it's a Japanese comedy that came out last year. Uh you can find the write up on filmsmash.com. Caesar raves about this one. But it looks like a coming of age story, but it, it's like a bunch of teenagers getting together to make a samurai film. They make a film.
1: samurai film, right? Okay, Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It, I've it, heard about it, but I've never,
0: I have not seen it. I watched the trailer. It, it's got me hooked. I'm immediately interested, but that's another one he recommended. Uh, this one, I just saw the trailer actually on the Blu ray for the film we're talking about tonight. It's Escape from Mogadishu. Yes. Did you see that trailer? Yep. I saw the trailer because it's in front of the movie we're we're doing. Yeah, holy cow! That is so it's a South Korean film. It's really takes place in 1991, and it's about these um, families who are trying to escape from war torn Somalia. That looks fantastic, and it looks like it's getting a U.S. release here in the next couple of months.
1: Yep, yep. Maybe we'll do it this time next year. <laughs> Maybe
0: uh, another one he recommended. Uh, apparently, it's a short that he reviewed. It's called "Go Seppuku Yourselves." It's a, it's a short film that follows a man tasked with assisting in the ritual suicide of a samurai. So I'm sure that'll pop up on YouTube or something else, but it's another one to keep your eyes out for because he raved about this one. And the last one, the last one. So this is the type of recommendation. When I talk with Caesar, he will throw a title like this out and I'll be like, I, I have no idea what to expect. And then when he explains it to me, I immediately want to watch this thing. So the, the other one he recommended was a Japanese film. It's an action comedy called Office Royale. And and the premise is, you know, think about a traditional corporate office, and you have these office ladies who are fighting for the top spot in the corporate hierarchy. And by fighting, I actually mean kicking, so it's punching. Like
1: Battle Royale in an office, maybe?
0: Yes. Um, okay. but it's it's done. You just have to check out the trailer. It's hard to explain because when he explained it to me, I immediately thought of some kind of gritty battle royale, but you know, mayhem that, that film kind of like that. No, it's, it's total bubblegum action comedy with these just broad comedic characters, office ladies, like duking it out um, over staplers and stuff like that. It, It looks, it looks hilarious. It looks really good. The last one he recommended is the film we're talking about tonight. It is none other than Raging Fire from 2021, directed by Benny Chan, starring probably out of all the actors that have been on the show more than any other episode. Do you think Donnie Yen's been on? We've we've done more Donnie Yen films than anybody else.
1: Yeah. We had four. Yeah. In one month. And then this is five.
0: Yeah. So this this made Caesar's um, top pick, uh, not the top pick, but... Of the picks of all the movies that he watched in 2021 this is one of his favorites and there's a great review on filmsmash.com film smash.com of it and this is the first movie we're talking about this month because this is my pick so had you seen this before i had not okay i had
1: not um have we said the title yet i mean i know it's in the it's podcast. raging fire yeah it's raging fire raging yeah. fire yeah. um i had not uh of course when this was coming out you and i Basically, said, Hey, guess what? In January, we always do films that come out the year before that we want to talk about. Uh, this one is not bombing, but we're going to do it. And so, if you look up, I believe it's the Donnie Yen clause of our podcast, yes. Uh, it's that anytime we want to talk about a Donnie Yen film, we will because we can always say, Well, domestically, it bombed. So,
0: oh, it bombed huge domestically. That's why we're doing it. Yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the numbers, but this one played in the Baltimore area. I saw it opening weekend, the entire family went, I think we dragged Randy with us too. So this was an event for us. I don't
1: think you dragged Randy. I think he went,
0: I think he went. Yeah. Um, and I got to tell you it for, I I mean, I'll show my cards early for experiences at the theater in 2021. This is one of my favorites. I was super excited that the timing of the blu ray release, um, kind of coincided with us to be able to talk about it in January. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're using the Donnie en clause um this was released by wellgo in the US and it bombed i guess we could say that in the US but um you want to you want to start with the numbers and how this thing kind of performed overall
1: yeah so i don't have budget numbers um it it didn't cost a ton of money but it, there's i mean it was it was expensive but not like marvel level expensive um domestically it made three hundred and eighty-five k. That's thousands. Didn't even thousands. crack a
0: million here.
1: Yeah, opening weekend it made a hundred thousand dollars, which half of that was probably the sour family. <laughs> um, uh, but to be to be perfectly fair, to be perfectly honest, it was opened in fifty-nine theaters. Um, that's still only an average of like seventeen hundred dollars, like a screen, which is not great. Um, which is sad. It's really sad. Um, it plays for a few weeks and then it's out. Um, internationally, <laughs> uh, Raging Fire makes $205 million. So it's crazy. Doing just fine. Yeah,
0: it's doing just fine. Um, it, it was number one in the box office for many, many weeks over in Asia.
1: Yeah. Um, I will also tell you, Troy, critically, Raging Fire is a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 100% audience score. 100%. Yes.
0: That's pretty good, man.
1: The audience got it right.
0: Um, this is what's crazy to me. So I, I have to ask you a question, just kind of talking theoretically here. It plays in 59 theaters in the US. Now, we're, we're still in a pandemic. Theaters mm-hmm. haven't really come back, but... At the time it was released over the summer, I still think theaters were looking for content to put in there. Because yeah, so,
1: yeah, so just listen. Well, again, it's hard when I look at the things that came out in August of 2021 because there's so much. Right. And you're like, okay, this played in the theater for three weeks, and this was at like, Candyman was in August, and that Vacation Friends, and... um. That uh, Reminiscence movie, which we were going to do this month, but we both decided (laughs) that nap is not worth it. We're not going to do that. Uh,
0: That thing smells terrible.
1: Yeah. Demonic, um, The Protégé, uh, Paw Patrol, the movie, which I saw in the theater, uh, Sweet Girl, which is a Jason Momoa film, Mm -hmm. uh, Respect, uh, Free Guy, uh, Don't Breathe (sighs) 2, There's just so much, because um, you know, and then the Suicide Squad, which, spoiler alert, we're doing this month. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So there's a lot of stuff, but again, we're looking at things that there's no long tails. It's in and out uh, because we're we're going to get that initial few million dollars that we can by having it in the theater. And then we're going to put it on a streaming service or put it on VOD to get the people who don't want to go to the theater to pay 19 $19.99 to rent it, essentially.
0: Yeah. But with that kind of audience score, do you think they kind of shot themselves in the foot by not releasing it in more theaters?
1: I would think so. Uh, because there are Donnie Yen is one of the few action stars internationally that will play domestically. He was in a Star Wars film. He's no, he's probably the biggest international star. Is he, is he like the biggest international star? Like I, I think so. Hong so, Kong action. Does he, does he translate better than anyone else?
0: I think, I mean. Yeah, you'd have to be right. Well, look at Jackie Chan. So he's got a, a film that comes out Vanguard. It's not that good. No. It, I mean, it's got some moments, but I can't, I can't honestly with a good conscience defend it. Um, However, I saw it in the theater and I I did enjoy it, but I'm, I'm a Jackie Chan apologist even for his later works, but I can't look at the stuff that Jackie or any other international, not just Hong Kong, but outside of um, maybe Mads Nicholson, Mm, I, I think there's him and there's Donnie Yen that if you look at the quality of films they're doing in their home country, plus that they're doing internationally, they're a plus man. I mean, Donnie has some stinkers. The, the Iceman movies that he did probably in the last 10 years aren't, aren't that great. Not great, Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, everything else that he's done, I, I think is fantastic. And like you said, I mean, he's in some huge properties over here and, you know, say what you will about the triple X movie he did with Vin Diesel. He's one of the bright spots of that thing. And it was still pretty mm-hmm.
1: fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think people walked away from that rogue one saying, Holy shit, Donnie Yen is amazing. Dude, he, um,
0: he stole that film, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was probably a mistake. It, it wasn't ever going to make $100 million, but it probably could have made somewhere between 10 and $20 million if oh, they would have yeah. let it kind of breathe. and Because um, there is an audience for Donnie Yen Films. We are not, we're not unique in our love of Donnie. So
0: I I do, I, I, and I'm sure there's costs associated with distribution, et cetera, but I really do think he is, I don't know, the type of product or, um, everybody underestimates. I I really wish well go if they picked up the distribution rights to this, put a little bit more faith in it. Now maybe it's a numbers issue for them in distribution. Yeah. But I I really would have loved to have seen this, see a wider audience because even with it coming out on Blu-ray streaming and everything else, I still don't think people really talk about this film. And that's why I picked it because out of all the films I saw last year, I'm not saying this is the best film of the year, but I think out of all of the action movies that came out last year, this is the one people should have been paying attention to.
1: Yeah, and and you know we always like Flashpoint. We'll always tell people Flashpoint is an amazing movie. And you need to see that paradox. You yeah. know, another one where you're just like, this is in that pantheon now of like stuff that kind of belongs with those. Um, I did want to ask you if you could kind of explain to the listener because Hong Kong films and all that is a disaster right now. So could, could you give me like the two minute spiel on what the hell is going on? And, and it does that play a part into why this thing might be,
0: you know, not playing so well domestically or anything like that? Well, not, I don't, I don't know for us. I mean, it, it made all its money in China. And so what, yeah. what you have to understand is when you're watching a Hong Kong film or a product of the Hong Kong film industry in 2021, you have to know walking in there's, there's going to be a couple of things that are going to be prevalent in that film. One is Chinese nationalism. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very pro government and you, you really can't, um, it's like
1: propaganda levels, right?
0: Yes, I mean, if if you're lucky, you'll you'll recognize it, but it won't feel like propaganda. And we'll talk about how does it work within this film. But I mean, when you talk about what's going on in, in 2020 specifically, the country just started cracking down on its um, entertainment and culture and pop culture to the point where you know they were making claims like hey all these korean boy bands that are real popular they're banning them from the internet because they're too feminine and you know from their perspective they're basically saying well we only want to actually put um media out there that represents like the strong chinese man and so you know boy bands that have heavy makeup and you know, are not specific to that um typical Chinese burly guy who can, you know they're they're basically saying if we you're want not you out Don of our Lee, culture. Then, yeah. Yeah, if you're not Don Lee, forget about it. Um, but they've also gone after gone after a lot of um stars and celebrities who have turned around and, you know, supported some pro-democracy movements and they've even jailed them. So all you got to do is really kind of Google Hong Kong entertainment industry, 2021 law, and, and you'll go down a rabbit hole because there are so many different stories right now where you, the government is cracking down on all of its TV, film, um, internet. I mean, you name it, they're really trying to get their arms around that and push this sort of nationalistic ideal within their culture. And they don't, they, they've even come out and said, Hey, we're not interested in showing anything from another country unless it fits our view. So a great example is, is Shang Chi got in trouble. And I think to this day, hasn't been released because, um, our, our hero, our star had made a comment that his parents had left Hong Kong because of how they were treated and, you know, migrated to Canada. And so Hong Kong looked at that and said, forget about it. We're not showing your film. I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the funniest story. So Jackie Chan and John Cena did a film a couple of years ago and it is sitting on the shelves. And if you read articles about it, why it's not being released, they're basically saying that it's probably down to two reasons. One, when John Cena was on a press tour for the fast and furious movie, he made the mistake of um referring to taiwan as an independent country and so he got in hot water to where he had to go and apologize to, he the had people. to apologize i remember yeah. that yeah so that didn't set well with the chinese government the second thing a, a
1: simple mistake like simple some, mistake you know dumb americans don't know anything about foreign countries
0: yes the the second thing which is very odd is they now look at John Cena in terms of his international popularity, and they basically think that he is more popular than Jackie Chan. So as a result, they do not want, because most of that movie, if not all of it, is financed by Chinese companies and, and fi- uh, Chinese production companies. They don't want to release a film where Jackie Chan's is taking a back seat to the popularity of John Cena, which is just amazing to me that we're sitting here saying that John Cena internationally is more popular than Jackie Chan and the Chinese government doesn't like that. So they will not release that film. Like we may never see this film starring it's finished. It's been finished for two years now.
1: Yeah. And they'll,
0: they'll eat that cost. They will totally eat that cost in order to save face so that John Cena does not look better than Jackie Chan.
1: Yeah. So when we talk about communist countries and the United States turning into a communist country, let's, let's pump the brakes. Okay. Let's pump the brakes. The government (laughs) is not stopping the release of films because some actor is going to look better than Vin Diesel or something crazy like that. So relax.
0: Yeah. I I mean, there's going to be a ton of films from the eighties and nineties, you know, especially the category three stuff. It's never going to see the light of day over there now Mm -hmm. because it doesn't fit the new code for, and I, and, you know, I didn't know you're going to ask this question or I would have done a little bit more homework, but oh, there's, there's an actual ministry, um, within China where all the scripts and everything have to go. Yeah. Approved. We talked
1: about it during the it man stuff where yes. stuff has to go through. They even have to have like, like essentially it has to be approved and they have to get credit and stuff as well. Right. It's, it's yep. like a whole thing. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, I don't want to say it's insane. It's just very, very controlled. Um, Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but it's a, it's hard to dodge that bullet when we're talking about Hong Kong and stuff getting released um, because it's an ever moving target, right? Like in five years, it might be even worse or it might, it's, it's pretty bad today. I
0: mean, and I can't remember yeah. the actress and singer's name who was just jailed, um, yeah. because she had done some demonstrations for pro-democracy. So the government kind of swept in and seized all her assets and, and said, okay, you're, you're going to jail. I mean, Chow fat has publicly said, and this guy is worth, you know, 500 plus million dollars. I mean, he is a mega rich superstar that lives in Hong Kong. And he's pretty much said, Hey, I'm just donating everything to charity. So, um, and, and that's why Jackie Chan, if you, if you see a lot of stuff that he's do, he does now publicly, he's out there representing the Chinese government. Um, and a lot of people will criticize that by saying, well, the reason why he's doing it is so that the government doesn't come after his assets, Mm -hmm. but he's very smart. He knows that if he doesn't, um, I, I think the next film that he has coming out is about a racehorse. So that's, that's the type of movies that you're getting. So anything that comes out of Hong Kong, you have Kong, to play ball. You have to play ball if you're going to live there. Yeah. So, um, it, it's scary. Now the side benefit to that is if you look at arrow and Eureka films and 88 films, et cetera, there's a lot of studios that are now releasing Shaw brother films. Um, a lot of stuff from the eighties and nineties. I think, um, skinny tiger, fatty dragons coming out in February with with Samuel hung from Eureka We're starting to see all these films start to pop up with other distributors outside of Hong Kong. And I think that's because since it can't be released in Hong Kong because, for whatever reason, it doesn't meet the bill, I think they're looking at that and saying, well, we can still make money by giving it to the foreign audiences.
1: Yeah, yeah. You just kind of separate yourself like one degree. Like, we're not releasing it, but someone is paying us for the distribution rights so they can release it and then we can get – you know, X amount of dollars on the back end. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, and I wish Caesar were here. Um, He would probably do a much better justice of being able to describe because he he monitors um, everything that comes out of Japan, Asia, Korea. I mean, that's that's why film smash is like one of the websites I always look at for reviews because he gets invited to a lot of festivals that he attends online, etc., and does the reviews for him. And most of the time, if he's talking about a film, we'll end up seeing it or hearing about it like a year or two later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in some fashion, it gets picked up for distribution, either through like Netflix streaming, et cetera.
1: Yeah. It's funny, like, you know, something like Train to Busan was such a big hit, but there's a chance that we never hear of that film because Netflix doesn't pick it up, you know, yeah. it's, and it's just because um, obviously the quality of that film is really high, but there's probably 50 more Train to Busans that we'll never see. On Netflix, just because, you know, they're just too many.
0: Yeah, I mean, Netflix is out there. They're they're really spending a lot of money um, in Korea and bringing a lot of that product over, which is fantastic. There's some fantastic. There's an
1: audience. There's an audience for it. man. There is people Um, who are willing to read subtitles.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but you know, we'll we'll talk about Raging Fire specifically in terms of. You know, how does it do on the prop the propaganda par, part of it? Because you can't release a, a film in that industry right now without having that within your film, because the government is looking at your screenplay and they're basically saying, Do we agree with this? Do we agree with the messaging? And um, you know, we'll talk about that because I yeah. I, I think in this film it's definitely there. It's subtle. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's just how you how you make movies in Hong Kong right now is you they they have to have some Chinese nationalism in it. And if you start going down a path that the government doesn't like, your film's not getting made.
1: Now, when I started this movie, um, a company name that uh I recognized was Tencent. Are you are you familiar with Tencent?
0: Um so, uh, Go ahead.
1: <laughs> so essentially Tencent owns literally everything. Yes. They're so, if you play video games or anything, they own a, some piece of it. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. So I, I thought that was um, pretty interesting to see their name at the beginning of this. And you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course they would have their own production and
0: all that stuff. Well, but here's what's interesting. So what what I find funny now about um, current Hong Kong films, I just watched a, a series, Cold War one and two, which, which is pretty good. But again, it, it was made in the last five to 10 years. So it's, it's, it's still got that nationalism within it, but with all of these Hong Kong movie productions, you will spend the first five minutes watching the logos for all of the production companies that put up money for the film. <laughs> so Tencent cent, 10 pictures, I mean, there's, they got deep pockets, but what's amazing is they're not solely funding the film. As a matter of fact, if you look at the production companies involved in raging fire, you have emperor film production, Tencent Pictures, Seal Metropole Organization, uh, My Owen Pictures, Super Bullet Pictures, One Cool Film Productions, Central Motion Pictures, and BC Film Productions. So, imagining, you know, imagine when you watch this, you get a logo for each one of those. And then, as soon as the movie starts, you go, Well, now I got to watch title cards for, okay, produced by these four or five companies, right? And, And that's just the state of Hong Kong movie making. They're kind of spreading the risk, even though it's you know, there's a reason why Hollywood um, you say what you will about Hollywood, but they're trying to still crack the code and get their movie shown in China because it will bring probably more box office than they'll ever make in the U S if it's a hit.
1: Yeah. Look at transformers. The reason you got five transformers films was because of China.
0: Yeah. Pacific rising, Pacific room rising. Yeah. Was that the sequel? Yep. It was a hit over there. So, um, but yeah, it's crazy. Well, we, we, We got to talk about the director. So the other thing that makes this a significant film is it was directed by Benny Chan, and he actually passed away August twenty third in twenty twenty. Him and Donnie Yen were also producers on this film. Mm -hmm. Are are you familiar with Benny Chan?
1: Uh, I am. I am. Um, You know, Gen X Cops, things like that. Um, And then obviously, New Cop Story or New Police Story um, was probably the two that I would go to the most um yeah he's again not not i don't know him as much as you do obviously so uh I'll, I'll leave room for you to to talk about Benny. i just know that he's a significant figure in hong kong directing and in in all that
0: yeah i i don't want to say he um he's not like the michael bay of hong kong or anything. But when you think about action directors, Benny Chan is one of the more recent ones from probably the nineties on Mm -hmm. that has a lot of notoriety. So a moment of romance with Andy Lau in 1990 is definitely one to check out. I think there's a sequel to that film as well. Uh, I discovered Benny Chan in the film, Big Bullet uh, from 1996 with Ching Wan Lau, that film you need to seek out. It's really good. It's a fantastic sort of cop procedural drama, Okay. It's a lot of fun. A lot of people know Benny Chan from the Jackie Chan film. So he's done a bunch of Jackie Chan films. He did who am I in 1998. He co-directed that with Jackie. He also did new police story, which you talked about Robin B hood. He did that one in 2006 and one of the newer Jackie Chan films, believe it or not in 2011, Shaolin is, is really good. And I think it's really good because of Benny Jan, Benny Chan's direction. Um, some other films that you need to check out heroic duo from 2003 is fantastic. You mentioned uh, gen X cops and gen Y cops. That's 1999, 2000. If, if you want to see how much Paul Rudd has not aged in 20 <laughs> years, go check out gen Y cops. He's in a Hong Kong film. He's got some action in there and he's pretty good in it, but dude looks the same today as he did back in 2000. It's crazy. um, Call of heroes in 2016. Did you check that one out? I know we'll go USA I not, released that one. I have
1: not seen that No,
0: Definitely see that one. It's a lot of fun. He did a film in 2007. I know I'm is all that, over the place. Is
1: that the same, the same Oh, the, the action
0: direction on that one. Call of heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, another one to check out, uh, cause we're going to be talking about Nicholas say, um, tonight, but he was in a film that Benny Chan did with Jackie Chan's son, JC Chan. And it was from 2007 called Invisible Target. That one is a really fun film. There's a restaurant uh, fight sequence in there that is a blast. Uh, so you need to to watch that one. Before Raging Fire, he did sort of a, I don't know, a comedy called Meow in 2017. I haven't seen that one, but. I'm guessing that's about a cat. I think it's about a big, it looks like a Roger Rabbit, but instead of a rabbit, it's a cat. Mm. Um, and then Raging Fire in 2021, which was his last film.
1: Yep. So he, d- he died of cancer during production of the film, right?
0: Um, yeah. So he was not able to participate in any of the post-production, but as soon as film wrapped, he unfortunately passed away. And that was, uh, that was a huge loss I think to the film industry, um, as a whole. Cause he, he is a great director. If you go back and, and look at his filmography, everything he's done, you know, say what you will in terms of quality. I know some people don't like Robin B hood or, or heroic duo, but I think the minute you see Benny Chan on the title card, I I don't know. I get excited. I really like him as a director.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: He's no Johnny toe, but I mean, he's still really,
1: (laughs) of course, uh, his lane is kind of the police procedural stuff, right? Like that was kind of his main lane. Okay.
0: Yeah, no. And I, I think he's one that even if you look at the Jackie Chan stuff, like new police story, um, you can definitely go. He, he does a lot of police action films, but, um, I don't know call of heroes shaolin is fantastic robin b hood's a lot of fun who am i's fun um Mm -hmm. but i I really i would love everybody to go back and check out big bullet it's it's an earlier benny Chan film you'll definitely love it
1: yeah i know that I, i was reading that you know he was wasn't feeling well when like production started and literally had you know it went quick for him so yeah it was unfortunate 58 years old which that's He accomplished a lot
0: yeah but too young i agree uh the other person i want to kind of call out for behind the scenes is cinematographer yun man fong so have you seen enter the fat dragon yet from 2020 donnie i have
1: you yes you sent it to me for
0: my birthday last year i believe oh i think Um, i think your birthday's coming up tomorrow isn't it today oh it's today oh i thought it was tomorrow well happy birthday man thank you bud uh your Uh, presence late
1: yeah it's all right. it's uh yeah, it's an amazing movie it's it's yeah it's a movie- it's a it's a movie, you it's so much fun, to, man, you, you kinda have to see, yeah i to be perfectly honest with you, when you told me to watch it, I was like, troy, you're full of shit, like this thing no way, and then I watch it, and I'm like, okay, you troy, you got me, you yeah. got me on this one,
0: it's fantastic. so there's two other films that he did for Dante lamb, so that's another director I don't know if you watch out for. But there was a film in 2018 called Operation Red Sea, which is fantastic. It, it's a great action sort of military film, and another one that was a big surprise when it came out in 2016, directed by Dante Lam and uh, cinematographer is um, Yuen Fong, is Operation Mekong, and that one you can find pretty cheap on Blu-ray. It's probably streaming as well, but you got you got to check out those two. And you know, again, Dante Lam's another director. Go and and find all his films. They're really good. Okay. I think we talked about this in It Man, but I, I just as a refresher, one of the one of the things I find so fascinating about Hong Kong films is behind the scenes, the director is responsible for filming a majority of the film. But when it comes down to the action scenes in Hong mostly Kong, mostly like
1: the talk the talking and all this stuff that's not The fighting, (laughs)
0: right? Well, and, and even, you know, the stunt work, not even just the fighting, it's all done separately. And so even with uh, Asian film awards, there's a specific category for action director, not just director because Mm -hmm. they kind of have equal weight when it comes down to that process of the film. So there are three people that you'll usually see that are are super important. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. for, for this type of movie, they're just as important as the director You've got the stunt coordinator. Okay. Now the stunt coordinator, they arrange the casting and the performance of the stunts. And they're also responsible for sort of the safety conditions. So that's what the stunt coordinator does. You have the action director. So they set up the shots and coordinate the filming for those specific sequences. So it's not the director. Okay. And then you have the action choreographer and that person is responsible for the action choreography of the scene and stages, the fight sequences. So when you get into a Donnie Yen film, you'll have somebody like Benny Chan who does the direction for all of the dramatic sequences. But when it comes down to the action sequences, now these three roles are taking over. And you're gonna hear some names that we've talked about (laughs) in the past, right? So the stunt coordinator, again, this is the guy who gets the casting and performance of the stunts responsible for safety, Kenji uh, Tanagaki. Now he had a couple of films came out um, this year. He had snake eyes. He did that one in 2021. Mm -hmm. He's stunt coordinator for that. He was the stunt coordinator on enter the fat dragon. Um, He's worked with Jackie Chan on just about all of his more recent films. So he did a film in 2018 with Donnie Yen called big brother. It's basically Jackie Chan or uh, excuse me. Donnie Yen is a school teacher and kicks like kids in the face. It's really cool. Um, And of course, if if only, yeah, if if only only. Uh, my wife loves that film um and then of course we talked about it he was the action choreographer on 2007's flashpoint which oh yes is i think donnie n's pinnacle film is so good yes
1: <laughs> especially if you want him in a white t-shirt in oh. like bejeweled jeans those yeah. jeans he wears in that film boy awesome good thing he kicks ass in that movie because those
0: jeans man he's he's at man him in flashpoint that's another boxer dropper moment man donnie n's mm-hmm. uh yeah, he's dreamy um, action director. So this is the guy that, you know, sets up the shots and does the filming for for this film. It's Donnie Yen. who's also the producer. Now, Donnie Yen doesn't just have a bunch of talent in front of the camera, but you got to remember, you know, going back to 1984, he was uncredited, but he was the action choreographer for Drunken Tai Chi. And then in 1990, um, he got his first credit as action choreographer for Tiger Cage 2, which is... Tiger Cage series. Absolutely fantastic. Folks, if you're taking notes, that's another one to write down. Um, He was also the action director for Wing Chun in 1994, which is a movie with Michelle Yeoh. And another Donnie Yen film, I think we talked about this when we talk about Donnie Yen is 1997's Legend of the Wolf. So the the only problem with Legend of the Wolf is you'll get a good example of what's called undercranking. Which oh, is yes. yep. you you basically shot it
1: like twenty two frames a second instead of twenty four yeah it and then it plays up. back
0: and yep. it looks faster um, yep. so he does that in in Legend of the Wolf but it's, it's still a great film
1: yeah so people consider that cheating in yeah. a
0: way yeah but I mean, it he, is what it is he doesn't need it uh, yep. you got to understand in the in the you know nineties under cranking was in everything so yep. the action choreographer so this is the person that's sort of staging the fight sequences we get Kang Yu. Um, he was the action choreographer for enter the fat dragon and big brother in 2018. Also Iceman, the time traveler folks stay away from Iceman and Iceman, the time traveler films with Donnie Yen. they're terrible. Uh, he did chasing the dragon, which if you want to see Donnie Yen in a more dramatic role as a gangster, watch that one, Kung Fu jungle and special ID, which are another couple of great Donnie Yen films. And then, um, the what about
1: that movie? Dra- did he do dragon?
0: Yes how's Drag is Dragon really good? Yes, it's very good. Okay. I th- I think we talked about that. It's um, I think we did. Yeah. Yeah, definitely check that out. I mean, I, honestly, you can't go wrong. When you see outside these of the names, Iceman movies. <laughs> outside of the Iceman movies, and and even the first Iceman's not bad. It's if if you want to see that story told, go back and watch the Yun Biao one from like the eighties. The Iceman Cometh, it's much better. But um now, nah, I, I, if you see these names pop up on any of the title cards or in the credits, sit down and watch the thing. I mean, there's some real talent behind the screen, and you're guaranteed to see some awesome face kicking, man. <laughs> um, and then real quick, quick the screenplay, Benny Chan, Ryan Ling, and Tony Jungling. Um, you know, there's not... This is a... In front of the camera, you get Donnie Yen and Nicholas Say. So we've we talked Donnie Yen ad nauseum. Um, you fan of Nicholas Say?
1: Yeah, like I said, you know, new police story, Gen X cops. That's kind of my introduction to him um, as an actor. Um, this is his best role <laughs> Did,
0: <didn't, laughs> by far. Didn't we in the movie matchup like years ago, we talked about a film called Bodyguards and Assassins. Yes. Yes, we did. Yes. So he's in that too um, with Donnie Yen. Yeah,
1: because I think we did 13 Assassins with that.
0: And that one, which is another great film, but yes, go back and visit all of Nicholas's uh, filmography. You can't go wrong. I mean, he's in Gen X Cops, so he worked with Benny Chan before. Um, New police story we talked about. If you want to see another Nicholas and Donnie film, I don't know if you've seen this one from 2006, Dragon Tiger Gate. It's based on a manga. Oh, I haven't, but now I want to go watch that one. Um, there is, it, it's, it's a fun film, but there is a fantastic overhead shot sequence. we Wilson Yip, up, right? Yes. It's, okay. it's really good. That one's easy to find, but you've got to check that one out. Okay. Um, some other ones, um, he was in Shaolin 2011, another Benny Chan film. Check out the stool pigeon in 2010, which is another sort of cop procedural. It's really good. <laughs> Beast Stalker from 2008. He's fantastic in that. And then, if you want some, you know, fantasy martial arts, you can't go wrong with a man called Hero um, with Ekin Cheng in 1999 and the Storm Warriors in 2009.
1: Doesn't Nicholas also do music? Isn't he a musician as well?
0: Yes. So you'll okay. you'll see that uh, as a common trait with a lot of these Hong Kong stars. They're multi talented. Yeah, and Jackie has even tried that, right? <laughs> Oh, he hasn't tried. I mean, he's conquered it. That guy. I mean, Jackie Con-
1: conquered it. Okay.
0: Yeah, Jackie has so many albums. I mean, he's, he's a multi-million album recording artist. I mean, he's, but even Donnie Yen, um, I think it's on this film, him and Nicholas sing a song in Raging Fire, one of the theme songs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't think Donnie Yen has any albums out there. Nicholas does, but yeah. So when Jack- one of the It Man films that doesn't
1: Donnie sing in one of the It yeah. Man films, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yep.
0: That's not uncommon. I mean, you, like yeah. I said, they're 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 pretty talented across the board. Um, I don't know. I <laughs> if if we're talking about the on, the only other names, I mean, we've got Land Quinn, which is um, Donnie's wife in the film. She doesn't she doesn't get a lot to do outside of just be the wife, right? Yep, pregnant pregnant wife, pregnant wife. Um, and the only two that might surprise you that are in the film is Simon Yam. He has a brief appearance. He's sort of shows up in the internal affairs trial. Simon Yam has two hundred forty-seven acting credits, which is <laughs> yeah, no. ridiculous. Uh, do you have a Do you have a favorite Simon Yam film? I know we've talked about him before.
1: Uh, is it Naked Killer?
0: Oh That's yeah, one yeah, of yeah. Them, right. That's good.
1: Um, God, it's hard. Tiger Cage. He's in Tiger Cage, right?
0: Yeah, I I always gravitate to two Bullet in the Head. John Woo's Bullet in the Head. Oh for yes, yeah, yep. yep. And uh, full contact with Chow fat 1992. Simon Yams, the villain in there, one of the best on-screen Cradle of ever. Life,
1: isn't he, in the Laura Croft Cradle yeah, of Life? Yeah, he's in the second one, <laughs> yep. briefly. Yep. Um,
0: and then you get uh, Ken Lowe. So Ken Lowe is in the film. He's the mobster who is trying to work with them about robbing the bank, and then Nicholas's crew kind of double-crosses him. Mm-hmm. Ken Lowe was Jackie Chan's bodyguard. Uh, that's how he started his work. And then he turned into an actor, and most people will recognize Ken Lowe from Drunken Master 2. Yes. He's the one that Jackie fights at the very end and can do those splits where it looks like he just takes his leg and puts it over him.
1: John? any John or whatever? Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Ken Lowe is – I mean, I, he's another one that I see his face and I get super excited because he's part of now Jackie Chan. I just want Chanin's. to watch Drunken Master 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so good, though. Um, but, yeah, the, I, I don't know. I mean, there's <laughs> – the best thing about this film is it's a it's a Donnie and Nicholas film. I mean, they yep. have most of the screen time and they're in this thing. I, I think almost every frame.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's the story is told kind of non-linearly. Um, you know, we get a lot of flashbacks and stuff. Um, I do like kind of letting the, the villain have his moments too. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, basically when it comes down to this, you know, at the end of the film, there's gonna be a big showdown, right? You know, oh, yeah. the good guy and the bad guy are gonna have a fight at the end. The movie has to earn that last 20 minutes, essentially. Right?
0: I, absolutely. And and yeah. this is <laughs> this is a film when when you read it, you see the trailer, and you go into it, like you said, it's all about you know at the it's predictable. At the very end, it's gonna be a showdown between those two. Now, for me, when I see this, I got two questions. One, is it interesting enough to get me from point A to point B? Right, because I I know there's going to be a showdown between those two. So, what happens Mm -hmm. in between? Does it keep me entertained? What's the interim like? Yep. Yeah, and then secondly, will will the action build to a crescent? Was it a crescendo? Did I use the right crescendo? Crescendo. There we go. Um, Will. Will you get to a point where you are ready to go for that last sequence and it tops everything that you've seen beforehand? Because I don't know about you. Nothing irritates me more than seeing a fantastic action sequence in the beginning or even in the middle. And then when you get to the end, it just feels like the air was let out of the tire, right? It Yeah. yeah. So those are the two things. You
1: have to end your film on a memorable battle or fight or the movie you just kind of walk away kind of limping away saying well that one fight at the beginning or the middle was cool but boy that last one was a sure was a letdown
0: yeah no cuz that's that's the last thing you saw right so mm-hmm. that's yep. um okay so i man this cold the worst thing about having <laughs> this cold was uh we're recording here on a wednesday night we should have been talking about this on sunday and I have been dying to hear your opinion on this thing. And I've had to wait longer than I wanted to talk about this film with you because I, I saw it back in you know August and I've been wanting yep. to talk to you about it for six months now, but I got it. I got to, I got to hear your opinion. What, what was, what was your view on this one?
1: Yeah. So a little kind of context before I get into what my thoughts were, I watched it um, on Thursday during the day uh, cause I was off work and um, And you and I were going back and forth. You're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to record tonight. Um, And I was like, don't worry, you know, don't whatever, whatever. And then we kind of had to push it back again and again and again. And so on Tuesday, which was yesterday, I was like, I kind of want (laughs) to watch Raging Fire again. So I fired it up. I didn't watch like the whole thing. Like I kind of skipped to the fights and stuff like that. Um, and, And I will tell you, I think. Um, one of my favorite parts of this movie is yes, Donnie is, is really good. He plays a sort of by the book cop, um, really well. You believe him as this guy who like is kind of torn, um, because (laughs) I don't know if you know this or not, but apparently every cop in the Hong Kong police unit is corrupt as shit.
0: Um, yeah, except for the, the few, right?
1: Yeah, except for a few, right? So, Donnie is trying to trying to walk that line, um, and he's getting pulled by the corruption, but he wants to stay moral. And then you have this other guy who comes in, basically, very Joker-like. Did you notice how much like they played him as the Joker in this movie? He's even got the scars on his face that kind of look like a smile. Um, he loves knives. Um, there's that interrogation scene where it's very lit, like Christopher Nolan, um, Dark Knight, um, and that villain basically makes this movie from a great movie to like, this is one of the coolest movies I've ever seen, like in it, it <laughs> action films, because it you that push and pull of these guys going back and forth and them having a relationship, and you know that donnie's character like cares for this guy and is kind of eaten um his conscience is still kind of hurt by what he did um essentially uh the villain killed a guy while he was a cop and all this and and the repercussions of that is they had to go to prison and um then he apparently didn't find god in prison but uh found that he was becoming the Joker and essentially gets out and causes mayhem. And dude, I will tell you, like I was invested in this story and yes, the fights are awesome and all that stuff. But the silent moments, I say silent moments, the moments where they're not fighting (laughs) is, is really intriguing and really pulls you along the story to the point where I was like, this could this could have no fights in it and still be an awesome like action movie. Um, and I mean, there are some weak parts. Like the wife is the wettest of wet blankets. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and they definitely do the thing where they use her um, at the end to you know kind of move the plot along. But I'll say, man, this movie um, two hours it just flies by, and um, I, I find myself thinking about it a lot thinking about the, the last kind of fight scene that they have. Um, they don't resolve a lot of things in this movie. And I'm like, are they doing that on purpose? So raging fire two happens. Um, so I, I'm I, man, I really like this movie a lot. I was surprised because, you know, I've recently seen paradox. I've recently seen flashpoint and I'm like, is this going to be as good as those? And I'm like, Oh yeah, like definitely. I, I- I don't know because of Nicholas in this movie. I almost like this more than those, to be perfectly honest with you. And, and I can see he that is so yeah. good.
0: I, I think and, I think what Nicholas brings to this that you don't see in a lot of action films is, it, it having Donnie Yen in your film is a blessing and a curse, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, who's going to beat him?
0: Exactly. Like what what thing can you put in front of Donnie Yen? that you go, Oh, there's a chance Donnie not make it, you know, he's not going to live right in yeah. most of the films. And I feel this way about the Ip Man films. I love watching them, but it, at no point did I ever think Donnie was in danger except maybe the Mike Tyson thing. Cause when you see Mike Tyson in action, you're yeah. like, dude, that guy's really quick and he's big. Um, but, but even then,
1: it definitely wasn't the boxer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but You need somebody to go toe-to-toe with Donnie Yen and Nicholas delivers. I, I think that's one of the highlights of this thing.
1: Yeah. They, again, that push and pull that they have. And it's so smart, too. The film gives them a backstory where Donnie kind of played this guy and the system definitely played them to where they were burned by the police force. And they have that bridge to burn and you kind of sympathize with them a little bit because they were thrown under the bus and the corruption of the police needs to be punished. Um, Maybe not to this, to the point they take it, but there is this, like, we're coming to get our revenge on you because you deserve it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, they do. Um, And Donnie just happens to be in the way because he didn't say, he didn't lie. Essentially,
0: well, and what's interesting is the events that caused Nicholas's character to go to prison, based on the in the choices that Nicholas made, you know, to to end up in prison. You're starting to see that play out a little bit, where Donnie's character isn't playing ball, and there's a point in the film where he kind of gets hauled into internal affairs, and it's a result of at what point you know you're sitting there going, well, at what point is Donnie in? going to break free from his own internal moral compass and go into survival mode. Mm -hmm. And that's just as exciting to watch as him go to toe to toe with Nicholas, because you're wondering when's his breaking point? Like at what point is he just not going to be that stoic police officer anymore?
1: Yeah. Were you a little disappointed that they had to use the wife for that?
0: Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think when you look at, again, in my head, I'm not necessarily disappointed because I know going into it, you've got to go to, so you're the Hong Kong government and you go, okay, we want our central character to go against authority. What is going to be justifiable? Oh, they took his pregnant wife and strapped a bomb to her and well, okay, we can let that one pass. I mean, in my head, I'm thinking, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. What are you, what are you going to put together in order to justify that? And then, um, you know, we can we'll talk. do it if
1: you throw some little kids around there too. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. I mean,
0: yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think, I think those are the, um, if we want to talk about the dead spots, we'll get it out of the way. Yeah. You, you get your subtle, not so subtle Chinese messaging about how capitalists are bad and we have to rise above the temptation of what capitalism provides. And it's, it's on display right out of the gate when the business business owner is asking Donnie Yen to fudge a police report. And then you also get it again, where the bank tycoon is not helping the cops during the trial. And so you've got all these plot points where it, the messaging is right there. Capitalism is bad. Capitalism corrupts, you know, the common good, right? Yeah. It, it's all through there. Surprisingly, it's not a huge detractor of the film. And I think no,
1: the- and to be perfectly honest with you, like that almost went over my head the first time. Um,
0: yeah. It's subtle just
1: because I was just watching the movie and I'm like, Oh yeah, this rich white guy or this rich guy, you know, trying to pay his way out of stuff. Like, of course that would happen. And then you've you kind of put it into the subtext of, well, this is a Hong Kong film and there's gotta be messages. Um, maybe they're not as subtle as you think. And yeah, that's what that is. But the first time I, I kind of missed that, um, the first time for sure yeah and,
0: but un- unfortunately it's there but fortunately it works in service of the story because this is really about at what point is donnie Yen going to really break free from what she, i guess is good or moral and everything else and just let the emotion get the best of him? it happens with the um uh, with the wife incident but even then, the question comes up in the final showdown, is he, is he going to kill him? Yep. So yep. it's it's always there. Like, when is he just going to take that one step over? And again, I think that adds the dramatic tension to the action sequences. The other thing that I think is a dead spot in the film is the internal affairs stuff. I, it's absolutely unnecessary. Like, if you were to take that subplot out, it would not hurt the film. I think actually it would improve it a little bit by, you know, giving us a, a tighter runtime. Mm-hmm. The only benefit of the internal affairs thing is you get to see Simon Yan. Yeah, so
1: and you get the kind of the payoff when he is in front of the little panel. Yeah, and kind of everyone comes to his side there at the end. I, I that's kind of a cool payoff. I, I get what you're saying though. You cut that stuff out and you make this movie 105 minutes and not 125 minutes. It's a better movie.
0: It it is. I I mean, I really do think if somebody were to come up and kind of go, well, look, there's about 10 or 15 minutes that you can do without, I'd go, well, I kind of agree with you. It'd probably make a leaner film. Does it take away from my enjoyment? No, because the thing about this movie is every 10 or 15 minutes, you get the next dramatic action sequence Mm -hmm. and the plot is setting it up to where there's something a little bit bigger each time on the line. I mean, it starts out as Donnie N kind of almost avenging his mentor because he's killed in the first sequence. Then it gets down to okay, now they've kidnapped his you know wife and unborn son. It's like they keep upping the ante, and you're like, well, the ending and the final sequence can't be any bigger. (laughs) And it's like, well, here's a school, you know, or public bus full of people that they're throwing grenades. Oh yeah, you can. I mean, they keep upping you know, the stakes and and it works. So,
1: yeah. Sometimes in, in these movies, I kind of like some of that fluff because you gotta give me some time between those set pieces. Right. Like I, I I can't have, I can't, everything can't be the raid, right? Like I can't go from one fight and immediately go into another fight and then immediately go into another set piece like that. I got, I gotta breathe. I gotta let the story kind of go so if it's a little bit fluffy, I'm okay with that if every time we kind of go back to the action, it's like, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is awesome. Oh, this car chase is amazing. Like as long as we're hitting those beats, I'm kind of okay with it being a little bit on the like fatter side. Uh,
0: and I'm okay. I would agree with you if that fluff serves the purpose of like character development. Yeah. Or and plot I think here it
1: does 95, maybe 90% of the time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and I, look, I, this is me trying to rewrite a film that I don't think needs to be rewritten, but I would go replace the internal affairs thing with a little bit more bonding moments with the wife and flush the wife character out. If, if she's going to yeah, be a player
1: and, and have that, had that moment, have more power because yeah. at that morning time, I'm like, I saw her at the beginning of the movie and maybe again in the second act. And man. Okay. Yeah. She's pregnant. Like that's, that's the thing. That's her characteristic. She's pregnant.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, so the question I have for you, um, before, cause I really want to talk about some of these action sequences, but is, is this the best action film of 2021?
1: I haven't seen a better one. I, of course I haven't seen all the action films of 2021, but of everything I saw, this one is by far the best one. Um, and probably the most rewatchable one, right? So, so I, I think if I'm, it's if I'm at your house, right? Yeah. And I get there, and you're watching this movie, and it's an hour into it. Do I immediately sit down at your house and just watch it to the very end? Of course. You know, it's got it's one of those movies where, regardless of where you are in the runtime, you're 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 going to sit down because you're going to get to that church, right? Like regardless,
0: yeah. it could be two minutes in, and there's or could be, there's stuff that happens before the church where you're like, oh,
1: yeah. If you got yeah, an hour exactly. left in this so, film,
0: you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of like action eye candy.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's how I judge these movies: is like, do I know the end, and am I waiting for the end, or am I just sitting down and like I'm enjoying this movie to the end? There's a difference, right? Um, I really think this one for sure is the best action film I I saw of 2021. Um, but I will yield to you because I know you saw way more than I did, but it would be tough to beat this one in my eyes.
0: Yeah, I, I'm thinking from an execution standpoint, um, choreography, um, originality, everything of that nature. The, the, the other two films that I think give it a run for its money a little bit, maybe nobody from beginning of the year because that bus sequence and even the final showdown in the warehouse is a lot of fun.
1: What was up with bus sequences this year?
0: Yeah, I don't. I Did mean, yeah, that yeah. and Shang Chi was the other one, which has a bus yeah. sequence. Yeah. Um, and Shang Chi outside of the building, uh, on the you know the bamboo rafters the and stuff, the scaffolding. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's a lot of fun, but I, I still don't think that the highs in those films, even come close to the highs in this film.
1: They do some stuff with knives in this movie that I'm like. Oh my gosh. Like I've never seen anything like that before.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I mean, we, we, I, we can talk about the rundown. So there's about five or six, which is crazy to me. There are five or six major action sequences in this film. And I mean, honestly, you're lucky to get three good ones. I think in an American film. Yeah. If you're lucky. Right. Yeah, And and we're really talking about, I think it's six total. So this, this film, the first big thing that it starts with is this whole sequence that takes place in an abandoned mall. You get a bloody shootout. I mean, there, there's some squib work or CGI blood. I mean, it's all over the place. Yep. You get some incredibly hard falls. I mean, the stuff that you saw in the eighties and nineties in Hong Kong films, it's on display here. Yep. You get some. And
1: I, I like the reference to like the heat mask, like those yeah. masks they wear, are very like heat. Like Michael Mann would definitely enjoy enjoy that part for sure.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think speaking of Michael Mann, I, I think there's some interesting camera angles. They mm-hmm. try and do a little bit of a first person view in a sequence where the camera's mounted like on the rifle as it's moving around, and then it transitions. So I really liked that mall sequence. And again, when I first saw this, I'm like, oh boy. How, how are you going to top that in terms of, I mean, that
1: that's worthy of like a finale, like that mall sequence is like what most movies would, would that'd be their finale, right? Yeah. We're opening with that, which is smart because you're like, oh boy, like I either, this is like going to be the best sequence I've ever seen or, and then the rest of the movie is going to suck, but at least I got this mall scene or if this is what they're starting with, where are they going?
0: Absolutely. I mean, there's that fall when his his mentor gets thrown over the balcony and lands through this pagoda in the mall on top of all this other stuff. That's not a dummy. That's a guy they threw over the railing who takes that fall. And I mean, it it's real physics. (laughs) It's crazy.
1: Yeah, I I want to know how many mats he fell onto or how many boxes were underneath there, because, boy, that's a fall.
0: Yeah. Um then the next big sequence you get is in the shantytown. And this sequence, I I remember seeing it. I go, okay, they're really not gonna top this. So you get again hard falls, you get harder landings on concrete and, and everything else. You get throws that are happening when they're throwing people around that are classic Hong Kong stunt work. And you can tell they're using some of the wire to accentuate the falls or the throws. Yeah, the poles, The poles yeah, where, where people's yeah. feet are getting kind of pulled out from underneath them. You get a seamless change within the action from guns to knives to fists to mace to refrigerators to bottles. I mean, you name it. Everything in the environment is a weapon and they use it. Uh, and it starts in like the second floor of the shanty town and goes all the way down into the sewers. Yeah. That is one of the most original sequences I've seen pretty
1: seamlessly as well. Like it, it's very natural And and it. One of the things we're always, we will always complain about in American action films is a, do they tell a story with the fight? Like is, is there character development when people are fighting each other? This definitely has that. And two, can I follow the action and do I know spacing and do I know where characters are when we cut from one thing to the next? Do I, does it feel natural? Um, and in here, you know, we're, we're a lot of mediums. We're not zoom in, zoom out, zoom in, zoom out, which is like just a terrible way to do action because it's so hard to understand because we're, we're focusing on, this one little part, then we're back out wide, and you're like, okay, what's going on here? It's kind of medium, and we're letting it flow, and it's not cut, cut, cut. And we're moving from section to section, and we can follow it the whole entire way. It's masterfully done. And when you see it, you start to realize, oh, the 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 action stuff I've seen with um like Jason Bourne or John Wick does it a little bit better, but where you're just this mess of cuts and edits and all this stuff, when you see it done really well, you're like, oh, this is how you shoot an action scene. And this is how it's supposed to look. Um, it is not easy. It's really, really difficult. Um, and, and it takes you know, the camera guy working with the, the, the actors and the stunt people it it all has to go together and it's hard, but when you see it come together and you get this little shanty town bit where it's just, it's masterful.
0: Um, Uh, You nailed it, man. And you you brought up John wick. I I mean, I'll be as bold and I can, we can debate this all day. This is my opinion in the three John wick films. There is not one sequence that even match that matches that shanty town in terms of filming execution, the impact, everything else. Because even with the John Woo films, it, you get this hand-to-hand that goes on and on and on, or you get kind of the same throw, you get the same, oh, I'm gonna throw the guy this way, shoot him in the face, go to the next guy, shoot him in the face. Mm-hmm. The great thing about this Shantytown sequence is as soon as he runs out of you know bullets, he's hitting him with his knife, uh, or the butt of his gun. As soon as he can't do that, he's like macing him in the eyes, right? And then, he's
1: wrapping his bulletproof vest around his forearm, so when the guys come at him with yeah, like machetes and stuff, he's not—you know—he has protection.
0: Yeah, the the sequences, the choreography—it's not repetitive, and to watch this play out in an environment where it goes into like a high elevation, all the way down to the sewers, and like you said, the framing of it's perfect. You know exactly what's happening. You're not confused. It, it, it's just glorious. Like this is the golden age of Hong Kong action on display within, you know, these like 10, 15 minutes of that sequence.
1: Yeah. And, and I will always love a part in a fight scene where both of the guys lay there for a little bit and they're out of breath yeah. because they have done so much in the last, you know, two to three minutes that when they stop, of course you're going to be tired. That's how fighting works. Or when someone gets punched, it has like real repercussions. When you get punched in the face, it hurts or you don't immediately like get up or am able to just shake it off. That's not how it works.
0: Yeah. Or it's messy. You try to do that throw or punch and it doesn't really work out and you end up hurting yourself more than the other guy that's in that sequence.
1: Yeah. I I wonder how long it took them to like pre-biz all this, all this choreography and stuff like
0: Well, this is the benefit. Like I said, when you're talking about the stunt coordinator, the action director and the action choreographer, this is Benny Chan, Benny Chan stepping out of the way and saying, okay, Kenji, Donnie and um, Kang, this is you. So it's those three who are doing this. Uh, And I mean, the great thing about Benny Chan, though, is the sequence works within the context of the story and the buildup to it is fantastic. Then you get the sequence and even the aftermath with the, uh, the car incident is a shocker. I mean, Oh yes. Yeah. Every time I've seen it, it just makes me jump. Like I, I, I know it's coming, but it still makes me jump. Um, then you get this downtown foot car motorcycle chase. And again, you, you get some classic and what I mean, classic, like eighties, nineties, Hong Kong style stunt work. You get this jump that Donnie does from the parking garage to the vehicle. That's right out of like a Police Story two film. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep, and it, it's great. The shootout is great that ends up happening. The only drawback to this is you get a little bit of CGI work with the motorcycle, CGI cars,
1: yep, in the, in the motorcycle, yep, yeah. The CGI's not great,
0: but it still works <laughs> with it. Yeah, you,
1: yeah, it's I, there yeah, for a you're... minute
0: and then it's gone. Yeah, and you still see the physicality of it. I, I would say out of all the sequences that Donnie. about this one. I liked it. It's the least of it, but this is what Hollywood puts out today. And even if this is the lowest out of the six, it still is head and shoulders above everything else that was out there in 2021.
1: Yeah, even even here, like we're we're letting we're going and letting even the cars and stuff drive for a while. Like we're showing cars for a long time and we're doing shots that aren't quick and we're letting even this. So we, the cars are essentially acting like people in this situation where there's spacing and all this stuff. And it, it works just like people uh, choreographing a fight, the cars yeah. and stuff. It, it has the same look, has the same feel because we're, we're treating the cars like people in it. And it really works when you're not always zooming in on a freaking tire or a spoiler and zooming back out and all this stuff like it, it if you just let stuff be in camera, it works. I promise you, it works.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it it you get to see car foo, motorcycle foo, in action, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and then the next sequence you get is this office shootout with Ken Lowe's hun- henchmen, and you really, it, to me, this is the sequence that solidifies that when Nicholas and Donnie meet. Nicholas is going to be a force to be reckoned with mm-hmm. because that guy is all over the room. He's throwing the pistol up at his buddy. He's sliding under the desk. He's walking on the wall. He's taking these guys out like it's nothing, right? I mean, you watch how effortless he is moving in that room. It looks like oh, he's just making a sandwich, but he is make he is tearing everybody up. And yeah, it, and,
1: and this is like our small space fight, right? Yes. So it even there. You know, it, it's, that's a cool fight and it happens really quick. And it's like, if these guys want to, they can kill six dudes really fast.
0: Yeah. And, and, and you get a little bit of gunfu in there. Nicholas's yep. gunfu is fantastic.
1: Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I was glad that guy was killed anyway. He, I, I hated that guy. So.
0: <laughs> then you get, uh, the downtown shootout, which is the second to last big sequence. It's, it's very heat light. Obviously Mm -hmm. it's still effective, Mm -hmm. but now you've got hand grenades, you got shotguns, you got assault rifles, you've got the police coming from both ends. There's tons. I mean, tons of collateral damage. It's it's a film where people are just getting shot on the sidewalk. When the violence breaks out, like everybody's affected by it.
1: Yeah. I, my, my note that I had was, this is like Benny's like heat right here. This moment is like, so heat, it's the it's that shootout after the bank heist and heat it's 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 pretty awesome i mean it it they go for it for sure um they they use a lot of hostages and like kids are definitely like oh we're gonna grab this kid and use it as a nobody is safe man oh my god okay that's that's (laughs)
0: crazy um and even the whole payoff with the hand grenade sequence i i didn't expect that to happen um yeah which which was just i don't know it, it was icing on the cake man because that build up, and like you said, you've got all these hostages. You got somebody who's using a little kid. Then a grenade gets you know thrown in, and and how is this going to play out? It was it was really cool, and it, again, I thought it was pretty original.
1: Again, and and it's messy too, right, Donnie? Yes. There's things that happen to him, like when you throw a grenade and you're standing somewhat close to it, you will get blown up against that wall, and now you're messed up, and you can't just immediately pop up and and get going again. You have to have some sort of like consequence for, for being thrown against that wall by a, by a grenade blast. And that, you know, that, of course, obviously that builds tension, things like that, but it's really good to see here. And in, in the execution is, is really, really spectacular. Um, like I said, Michael Mann would be very
0: proud of this sequence for sure. Oh, I agree. And, and I, I like, I like that you're calling it out, that it's messy. Cause I, don't get me wrong. I like the John Wick films. I do what I liked nobody um, when it came out this year, what I liked about it was it's it's a John wick type film, but the action is more messy, especially that Mm -hmm. bus sequence, which I liked a lot and everything in the action sequences so far, especially in the shanty town, the punches don't land right. Um, The falls don't land right. And I like that aspect. It, it looks slick. It looks powerful, but not every punch and every kick lands. And sometimes it goes wrong. Every grenade you throw, every time you fire the gun, that shot—I mean, something is kind of sloppy mm-hmm. about it, and that adds that extra realism to how it plays out. Yeah, exactly.
1: It doesn't feel choreographed if guys are just a little bit off,
0: right? Oh yeah, that's a good point. It—you know—it's choreographed. You got the top talent in the industry in the world <laughs> choreographing it. Yeah, uh, but it doesn't feel core like the John Wick films feel choreographed. Yes,
1: they do feel very dancey for sure.
0: Yep. Yeah. When we talked about uh, matrix earlier, you know, when we were reviewing that my biggest problem with those fight sequences, I didn't feel the impact of any of the punches and kicks and it looked like a uh, peaking opera. It looked super choreographed. Yeah. No, for sure. So let's talk about that final showdown. All right. Let's talk about it. Um, Donnie brings out his police baton and, uh, I, I don't, I just, I, man, I am giddy as a schoolgirl.
1: How cool did he look when he's when he extended that baton?
0: I had SPL flashbacks going on. Um I don't know what it is about Donnie n just getting mad and bringing that baton out uh i I you know you talk about uh, an audience member who gets excited in the i <laughs> you', were, you were I clapping. lost it. yeah, I was yeah. clapping because that's what you're i I mean he'll be known for a lot of things, but you know at some point somebody's gonna go. Donnie N action hero. He gets that police baton out in all of his films, not a lot. I mean, I, I I think of this one in SPL and you go, dude, stuff is going down. (laughs) Um, and, uh, (laughs) you get butterfly knives, you get a baton, you get a sledgehammer. I felt every time he got hit that with that sledgehammer, you you get a screwdriver. Again, everything in the environment was used as a weapon. Yeah, even the
1: scaffolding again. Like he oh, caught yeah. the scaffolding, and the guy knocks it over. And yeah,
0: and Donnie uh, and those kicks. Oh my God, nobody, nobody can kick somebody in the face more beautifully than Donnie Yen. It's just not possible.
1: And and to be and for people who don't know, he's really kicking that guy. They kick oh, each other. Yeah, they,
0: it, it, <laughs> there is no. They're taking that stuff. Oh man, it's beautiful. It
1: is. Beautiful. It, is it is a beautiful climax to a great movie and i will show that to people who don't like you know hong kong films hong kong action films and just be like look yes hey i know you like that bathroom scene in uh mission impossible like it's really cool yeah it's it's kind of cool like henry Kettle cocks his arms like their guns but watch this watch this how it's like done in this in in, in how it is supposed to look really like yeah. it. it is masterfully done. And it's a scene where you walk away from it. You're like, that's a movie. <laughs> when I was done with this movie, I'm like, that's a movie. Like it's got everything I want.
0: I'll tell you what, and what really helps and this, I think goes back to where, when we talk about performances, I mean, Donnie can do the uh, incorruptible cop in his sleep. Um Nicholas say is just a great bad guy. and And that shows up. Now, he drops a line in that final showdown about his fiance, where it's like, if if you didn't think he was a despicable villain, mm-hmm. when he drops this one more piece of information before they fight down, you're like, oh, dude, that guy's got to die. I mean, and it, it's fantastic. Um, and it does help that Nicholas say they, they give him this whole sequence of doing sit-ups with his knife, <laughs> which is kind of cool to watch.
1: Yeah, I was like, well, I don't know what kind of training that is, but it's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, but – what sells this final showdown in the action in general is Donnie and Nicholas. When you see their faces in those moments, mm. they sell every aspect of it. Like when you see that final showdown, you're not looking at it and kind of going, well, this is, this is Donnie Yen and Nicholas say doing some choreography. Um, you're going, well, this is Bong and yo at each other. These are these two cops who are friends and now everything's on the line and all you see are these two characters fighting for their lives. And I think that is the difference where Americans, you know, the, the problem with having a stunt man, and I know you have to do it for insurance purposes, et cetera, is when you have an actor and they're good at acting and it comes to the action sequences, I think you then become disconnected, especially if you watch a lot of movies because you go, well, that's the stunt man now. Mm-hmm. So, That stuntman is just concerned on executing the stunt. And there's really not a lot of acting going on at that point with Donnie and Nicholas. The
1: whole whole point of a fight in this situation is to tell a story.
0: Yes. And you need the actors. You need to see what's going on in their faces with each punch and kick they throw and receive. Uh, Or, you know, if Donnie's getting smacked around with a sledgehammer, you need to see his expression because, um, it, it sells it like you are now invested. You you don't need to be zoomed in to feel the action. You need the actor to bring you in emotionally to feel the action.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, when they first start, I got the sense that they were like, neither of them really wanted to do this, but they knew only one of them is walking out of this church. Yes. Right. Yeah. But there's that moment where they're like, I still kind of like you. Yes, you got me sent away <laughs> to prison, but I and yes, you tried to kill my wife, but there's we still have that connection. And I'm the I'm standing in the way of the door. So I know you have to come through me, but I really don't want to do this. But if this is what's gonna what's gonna happen, let's go for it. And then he's got those butterfly knives and he's just twirling them around. You're like, okay, here we go. This is this is what we've watched an hour and 35 minutes for because this is going to be the climax and it's going to pay off and it does in spades.
0: Yeah, it, it, uh, if, if you're worried, especially if you see these five action sequences and go, there's no way the showdown is going to surpass what came before that. I would say the shanty town is still my favorite sequence just because of how unique original it is.
1: I I like, I think that's my favorite just because of the way it flows. Yes. Um, And it goes from one spot to the next down into the sewers. And it's so well done that. Yeah. It's, it's basically how to do a, how to do a fight one-on-one in a film. Like, Hey, just watch this. This is how it's done. Yeah. And yeah, it's textbook. This one is more dirty and obviously, um, more intimate because it's in a church and there's just two guys. Um, it's got a, sh- I shouldn't say, well, it's kind of got that shocking sort of ending to it too, where yeah, you know the guy's not going to want to go back to prison. He's not going to. Um, it's a cool so- filming
0: sequence though with all the red that's interplayed yep. into it. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, if, if you were bringing somebody over and you go, well, I just want to show you a greatest hits highlights reel, I would say, all right, if you want to see really good Hong Kong stuntman action. I'm going to show you the shantytown sequence. If you want to see really good Hong Kong choreography, I'm going to show you the church showdown sequence. Mm-hmm. And to me, why this film is is so important to me is a lot of people would say, uh, okay, South Korea is where it's at with the action films or any any place else, right? I still think Hong Kong has something in it because they still have the talent there. And if they can get it right, then you get this movie. Well, uh-huh. so yep. I
1: agree with you hundred percent.
0: I, I, as much as I love Don Lee <laughs> and, um, you know, I love everything that's in the outlaws, et cetera. Hong Kong still has the magic. If, if given the license to put it on film,
1: yeah, I mean it's still a throwback to the to the Shaw brothers and stuff like that, where you've got, you know, these ridiculous plots and stuff, but the action is great. You know, now they've evolved to have better stories and stuff, but the fighting is still kind of in that vein. And that's why I like those Hong Kong films because I, I grew up on that stuff and I still kind of want to see how it's evolved. And that's where we are now, and that's always going to be my favorite.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, what else? I mean, I I we have gushed so much love on this thing. Were there any any other moments or any other things you wanted to talk about? Well,
1: I usually don't talk about this stuff, but I, I do so if you are interested in seeing this movie, go to Walmart.com, buy it. It is nine ninety-nine. It is the best ten dollar movie you will ever buy in your entire life on Blu-ray. Trust me. It if you're curious, I think this is a good entry point because you don't really need the subtitles. The second time I watched this, I didn't have subtitles on because i already knew the story, but you know, this guy's really bad. This guy's really good. And it's just the story's not that complex, which is great. And, um, but the, but the six, like you said, six action scenes are going to be some of the greatest things you've ever seen action wise in a movie. And there's yep. six of them in this. So uh two of them for sure, and I would even say that the beginning shootout is in there too. Is it's like top Pantheon. Notch. It's yeah. like Pantheon stuff for real. So if you're interested in this movie, please do yourself a favor, find it.
0: Walk into um, a Walmart. Every Walmart that I've been to since this thing is released, they have it for ten bucks or fourteen dollars on Blu-ray yeah. or DVD. Um, to me, I'm with you hundred percent. Do not sit on this thing. If, if you like good cinema and if you are sort of an, an action film movie nut, if you haven't seen this movie, you're doing yourself a disservice.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Like we we've mentioned John wick before. Like if, if those are the films that you like, this is in those veins and will probably show you some things you've never seen before, um, and don't let look. I've been there before. Don't let the subtitles scare you. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's fine. It's fine. Trust me. Um, there's not an overabundance of talking in this movie, and the the what they do is is not like it's earth shattering. Um, and sometimes you need like the story's like, again, this is not a new story, uh, but I really think if this conversation has, ha- has you interested, do yourself a favor, don't sleep on it. Um, yeah.
0: If I, you, really pu- I
1: really want to put, I really want to push this thing.
0: Well, if, if you want to know why Donnie Yen is in John Wick 4, think of it this way. The only way John Wick 4 could up the action in the franchise is to bring Donnie Yen mm-hmm. into the franchise.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I didn't really love John wick three, but knowing Donnie is in four and probably going to do what he did in this movie and choreograph the action stuff. It's going to be insane. Yeah. Um, and I know why they delayed it coming out till 2023 is because it's going to take a long time to shoot that stuff. Cause it's not going to be this easy, you know, like uh, dance routines and stuff, it's going to be more complex. And I'm really excited to see that stuff. TikTok mixer wick, TikTok. Let's go.
0: <laughs> no, I, I agree hundred percent. I, I mean, obviously I think we're both saying it for me. I mean um, this is in my top 10 films of 2021 and uh, it's 100% not a bomb. It, it, it saddens me for two reasons that a Benny Chan's gone. I think he's a fantastic director and secondly, it saddens me that this thing didn't really find an audience theatrically, and I don't see even enough people within the the social media circles of, of film fan communities that I follow. I don't see enough people who have stopped what they're doing and watch this thing. Like that, yeah. that depresses me. Like if if you're serious about action films, but I, I think there's a stigma about it. Going, oh, it's come from Hong Kong. It's going to be another kind of propaganda. It's It's not, it's not really like that stuff is kind of in the background. It is really, it's,
1: um, I I will say I I put together my top 10 of the year and I didn't want to spoil anything or or anything like that. So I did not, uh, include this or, or rate this on letterbox because I was like, I don't, I don't want to (laughs) like show your car. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, it is not a bomb for sure not a bomb, not even close. Uh, Yeah.
0: Well, Brett, you said it, man. I mean, we want to push this thing big time. So how about we give away copy?
1: Yes, let's do that. So again, like we did last week, we want to hear from you what your favorite 2021 film uh, that you saw. And it could be that was released in 2021 or something you discovered. I just want to know what the best thing you watched in 2021 was, um, and we will randomly select, I think I've got some more stickers here too. So I will include some stickers, but we will send you a copy of raging fire from 2021.
0: And how, how do they get a hold of us if they want to, yeah.
1: Yep. Uh, not a bomb pod at gmail.com. Also Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'll put out, um, that call for those, uh, for those, uh, films. And, uh, this time next week, we will announce the winner.
0: Yeah. But we have
1: uh, another winner to announce tonight.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll go ahead and announce a winner. So one of the things we wanted to do when we ended um, in 2021 is do a little bit of a giveaway. So we did the Lonely Island Boys last month. Um, boys, guys? Or Lonely, guys. Guys, yeah. Lonely Island Guys. Okay. Uh, so one of our... our favorite discoveries, I think for both you and I last year was a recommendation from Randy. And um, we kicked off that month with Brigsby bear. Mm-hmm. So we did the same thing. We put some posts out there and asked, Hey, well, what was the favorite thing you saw last year? And we got some great entries. Uh, we randomly chose one. And I think it's funny. The one we chose, I was super excited that this came up because what this person said was one of their favorite discoveries of 2021 was a film we actually reviewed and it was my favorite discovery of 2020. So our winner is Josh. And when he wrote in, so we took the replies that we got from social media, from email and everything else. Um, Josh replied probably love and monsters and get out. Not sure. I'd classify get out as his discovery. Just had not seen it until this year. Discovered love and monsters through the podcast though. So big shout out to Josh for that. And, um, We'll be sending you an email, Josh, and we'll get your information. We're going to send you a copy of Briggs Bear, and we'd love to hear what you think about that. Yeah. But uh, the Love
1: and Monsters was probably my favorite discovery of 2020. So, yeah,
0: um, yeah man. That, that's an awesome. Well, uh, so I picked one of my favorite films of 2021 and wanted to highlight that thing. It's your turn, Brad. What are you, you going to tee up for us?
1: Yeah, so next week we are going to watch The Suicide Squad. Oh boy. Not the David Ayer, not the release of David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad. It's The Suicide Squad directed by Mr. James Gunn. So I have not seen this yet. I've been waiting to see it because I knew we were doing it. Um, I also saved the other film that I'm doing this month because I just knew we were doing it. So I wanted to have, uh, you know, no sort of, I didn't want to know these films I was doing until we were doing it for the, uh, for the podcast. Oh,
0: well, okay. So the, the two I picked for this month, I saw and I, I I wanted to talk about like two of my favorite films from last year, but the two you picked are ones you haven't seen.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen, but I, I, they were, well, one of them was a huge bomb that we basically could not, not do. And this one was like, I, I, I'm curious on how this movie is, and it again didn't do great. Uh, so yeah, uh, the Suicide Squad.
0: Awesome, I can't. I can't wait to revisit that. I, I did see it when it came out in the theaters. My daughter is a huge Harley Quinn fan, so we, there was. Oh yes, that's right. Yes, there, there is no way we were not going to see it opening weekend. So um, I'm I'm curious about your thoughts on it too. Uh, well, man, hey, that that was. That's a great way to kick off 2022.
1: Yes, I I'm, I'm super happy that Raging Fire was our first movie. Um looking back last year we did The Beast and that was like you know something that you and I had never seen before. We saw that we were pleasantly surprised. This one was like, oh, this is one of the best Donnie Yen films and one of the best action films I've ever seen. So, yeah, I that's why we're doing this podcast is to kind of discover these things and um I'm super happy about that.
0: Yeah, we, we've got, a, and I just want to put this call out there. We have an ongoing list and we get a lot of recommendations. And so we're starting to put some movies out there that we're going to review. Um, and one of the things that we're trying to do is, you know, we're going to go ahead and, and tell you what we're doing for this month. Um, that's fair, right? Give them a little planning. Yeah. So yeah. my pick, we've already talked about Raging Fire. Uh, the next movie that I'm going to pick for this month is a film. It's another foreign film it was released in its native country in 2020, but it didn't get a theatrical release here or anywhere else until May of 2021. And it's writers of justice. So that'll be the one that comes on after suicide squad. So Brad, do you want to tell them your two picks? We've already said suicide squad.
1: Yeah. And my last one is the last duel, which is Ridley Scott. Who's one of my favorite directors, uh, a film that literally made no money at all. Um, you know, a lot of the people who worked on it blamed a lot of things. Uh,
0: Those damn millennials. You
1: know, yeah, millennials that don't you know do anything. But you know, we're in a middle of a still in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, I hope we're not in the middle. I hope we're at the end of it. But who knows? But anyway, um, film lost a lot of money. I am curious about it. I've, I've I've known some people who have seen it, and I know their opinion on it. Um, I like everyone involved. Um, so I'm I'm really anxious to. To see uh, that one at the end of the month, so.
0: So there you go. Those those are the next uh, three movies we're doing: Suicide yeah. Squad, writers of Justice, and uh, The Last Duel, right?
1: Yep, and we will have some guests on as well. So look for that. Um,
0: and if if you have a film that you think needs to be pushed up on the list, please send us an email. Tell us why. Uh, we really want to hear your opinion on some classic bombs and why you think they deserve sort of a second chance and a reevaluation and if we like your your argument or your thesis we're gonna go ahead and put that on there so we're trying to be more flexible this year um we wanted to spend january kind of talking about well for me a couple of films that um i wanted to get in front of you because i know you hadn't seen either of those uh and I, I won't tip my hat to writers of justice but between the two that's the one I don't know where you're going to fall on. I, I figured with Raging Fire, knowing your background, you would love it as yeah. much as me. This yeah. next one, no idea. So uh, I am i can't wait for that. But I didn't know you saw, you haven't seen Suicide Squad. So I'm looking forward to that one too.
1: Yeah. And uh, uh, I was looking at our list and Death to Snoop, Smoochie is still not on the list. So that'll have to happen <laughs> at some point in time. because uh, Nathan's
0: going to kill us if we don't. Nathan will
1: kill us. Um, but yeah, like, like, just the kind of inside baseball like someone uh suggested spartan to us not long ago and we were like oh yeah we got to do
0: that soon so we moved it up so they they made a really good case for it though yeah
1: so it's it's you know it's coming up soon um february we have some stuff going on but then we're just going to kind of start going at the list again so um yeah if you have something that you really want to push to us let us know uh you know put on your best salesman hat and sell us on your pick exactly we'll, we'll do it
0: Well, folks, I, I'm super sorry for being all congested and stuffed up. I hope this, uh, this sound or, or I I did a good job of not sneezing or blowing my nose. No, you did
1: great, man. You did great. Okay. You didn't have to edit out any of those
0: sneezes. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go take the rest of my antibiotics and, uh, call it a day. I don't know about you, Brad. Uh, this was a great discussion, man.
1: Yeah, man. I, I look like we've said a million times in this episode, go
0: see raging fire. Absolutely. Can't can't stress this enough. So thank you for listening. Don't know if you're listening in the morning, afternoon or evening. Hope you're having an awesome day. And we will catch you next week when we discuss the Suicide Squad.
1: Happy New Year.